and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 334. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And those bells you heard over the music at the beginning indicate that, yes, once again, it is time for our annual holiday episodes, episodes plural in this case, a little detour from our normal episodic reviews. If those are all you come for, Godspeed. We'll see you in January of 2024. But anybody that wants to hear us wax philosophical about the state of Star Trek, uh, we have a fun half hour planned for you. We're going to have, this is part one of two. So we're going to have, you know, this one is today and we'll have another one for you in a couple weeks. We're recording these a little bit in advance. So if there's any breaking Star Trek news, forgive us. We won't be mentioning that. So we wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the state of Star Trek, but, you know, kind of more specifically, we, we've had a few years of um, CBS Paramount and Secret Hideouts uh, producing Star Trek. So Secret Hideout is Alex Kurtzman's company, um, and he is, you know, Secret Hideout is the purveyors of all things Star Trek right now, and they have been since, what year did Discovery come out? Was it 2017? I think? Something like uh, that. Yes, 2017. Alright, so we've had Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy, and Strange New Worlds. We've had, uh, what, four seasons of Discovery. The fifth is in the can, premiering in a few months. We've had all three seasons of Picard. We've had four seasons of Lower Decks. We've had one season of Prodigy. The second is in the can, premiering in a few months. And we've had two seasons of Strange New Worlds. They've also announced a couple of upcoming series. So we've kind of a jumping off point. I guess, uh, you know, Discovery, we were also excited when it launched and, you know, first new Star Trek in a long time. I mean, they could have probably done anything, right? And we would have been very excited. We were yeah, all I mean, very there's a, happy. There's a honeymoon period, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were all. That was when it was CBS All Access, I think, right? Yep. But very quickly, we saw what Secret Hideout thinks, what Kurtzman thinks. Now, reminder, by the way, Kurtzman was one of the writers and producers on the JJ movies. So I believe he and his partner, Roberto Orsi wrote Star Trek and Star Trek Into, Into Darkness. They didn't write the third one, but I assume they were producers on it. So between them and J.J. Abrams, there, there was a very specific kind of look and feel for what modern Star Trek is, in feature films anyway. Uh, and now J.J. is not involved in Secret Hideout's Star Trek TV productions, but obviously Hertzman was informed, you know, by JJ's vision. We'll put it that way. Nothing wrong with that, but I, I think that we very quickly discovered <laughs> with Discovery that it was all about serialized storytelling, which is basically a new thing for Star Trek. We saw that a little bit, I guess, with this with Deep Space Nine, but nothing like modern TV. I guess it, it would have been weird if it wasn't that way. Right, right. I agree. But it took a couple of years of that for us to 
to get like a, a sense from maybe this wasn't exactly what we wanted out of Star Trek. I mean, I, I feel like some of this, we talked about a lot of this, but we were all eventually started to get kind of less enthusiastic about Discovery. And I wonder if, if we had loved it as much, maybe that wouldn't have, maybe we wouldn't have cared about the serialism or we wouldn't have identified the serialism as a possible, you know, negative or, um, I don't know. I think the problem, it's not the, the format of serializing it. I mean, I think the first three seasons of discovery, I think we, we talked at length about it. If you go back and listen to us on those episodes, it's that it seemed like they didn't have like a, a vision, a true course of what they were trying to do. You know, we mentioned it, you know, they would go off track in the middle of a season. And I honestly don't think they got the serialization right until season three of Ricard. That serialization of that, that last season of Ricard, it worked for me, but um, maybe it did or didn't for you guys. But yeah, I felt the, at least the first three seasons of Discovery and definitely the first two seasons of Ricard, they just, they weren't organized and it didn't feel like they want didn't we didn't know what they were trying to do sometimes and they would go off on tangents in the middle of the the season and it would throw us off and that's what i remember a lot of patterns going on with like at least the first three of discovery and two of picard yeah i think i think it was this focus on 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 plot elements these kind of convoluted plot elements and it really felt like you could put that into any kind of framework no matter if it was star trek or not and then try to build characters around it and i think historically what works well for star trek and maybe for for anything frankly is if you have a vision then you build characters that you care about and then make you care about those characters and then build stories around them and and frankly like with discovery is probably the the out of all of the series in the in the modern era now it's I have trouble caring about the, the characters, like what happens to these people. And, and that's what really makes it problematic. You know, it's like if you can't really buy into it and feel something there, I mean, it's 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 really difficult to. And I, I think that I think that's what they struggled with. I don't think it's so much a matter of serialized storytelling, because in a in a, in a fashion, when Next Gen premiered in the late 80s, it was a different world from 20 years before that, too. And you, and you have to just build a, a TV series or whatever in the world you're in, you know. OK, but counterpoint, if there's one other element to the secret hideout stuff, really the live action, let's say Discovery and Picard. And to a slightly lesser extent, changing worlds. If there's one other aspect to these things that are, that's consistent besides the serialization, it's pretty emotional characters. They really wear their emotions on their sleeves in a way that we didn't really see during the Rick Berman era. Not really next gen DS9 Voyager or even or Enterprise. We definitely did not see in original series, and that seems like that should make it more human characters relatable and people that you can care about shouldn't it i think so i'll go down the middle here um i like the characters in discovery i like the idea of what they were trying to do and we they would try to give us some emotional gravitas to the characters but the problem with discovery is there were they were always trying to jump the shark it was it, what Steve was saying, the the storylines weren't driven by the characters; they were driven by the the action and the chaos, and the, you know them having to save the universe every every episode. You know, it was always you were always on the edge with with the Discovery crew, and it 
didn't give you time to breathe and take in those characters as, as you know, what we were familiar with in, in the, you know, the, the post-modern area, area of, or the pre, pre-area of Star Trek. Well, anybody that's listened to our podcast knows how I feel about it. It's like the, the things they took from the J.J. movies. The universe is at stake and everybody is constantly running, running, running. Action, 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 action. That's what I see that I don't care for so much in Discovery. And some of the choices that were made as far as, you know, jumping ahead 900 years and and the Federation came to an end and we're going to have to bring it all back. There were hundreds of years of darkness and or a hundred years, whatever it was. I dislike that massively. It's so yeah. it's so the opposite of everything that makes Star Trek endurable in this the hopeful future. All that all that pissed away in, in Discovery and I had a hard time with that. Yeah, it just seems like Discovery they didn't it just seems like they just never really had a plan with Discovery. Like, you know, they you know, like chaos after chaos, save the universe, jump the shark. And they just it put them in a box for what the show could have been i mean jumping them 900 years in the future kind of freed them from all of that and they could just start fresh it just seems like a silly way to do it um i am actually excited about the fifth season i'm hopeful i mean i look back at um enterprise you know the first three seasons of enterprise weren't anything to write home about but the fourth season's real i really enjoyed the fourth season of enterprise so that's kind of the outside hope that i have with discovery um if i look back on it season four i was fine i think season four is probably i like the best out of the out of the four so far and so i'm hopeful for five and i don't want to overgeneralize that i don't care about the characters at all i mean because like there there are some there's some good stuff there too i mean like saru Colbert. I mean, there are characters and the actors. It, it, I think it's more complicated than just this is bad, this is good. I mean, there are some of the acting performances are you know are, are great. Some of the characters are great. It's it's just how it, it the the gelling of all of that, and and it's really hard to make that work in the context, especially when you look at a franchise that's gone on so long and there's these expectations and so forth. So I, I think it's I think it's tricky, you know. But I, I do think there are some unfortunate mistakes in the in the focus of discovery specifically and there'll be some memorable character you know giorgio emperor giorgio is a memorable character and obviously you know it helps that she's had some some success lately as an actress so that helps some gravitas for discovery like i said if you look at if you look at season three of picard now that is it's it's serialized i mean every episode it's you know you're but they if you they split it up into like three sections and you know you had the you know the nebula scenes that were actiony but they were kind of s- slow and you had really good character conflicts within those situations and then they pivot to the next point of the season where you know they're running from they're running and then the the final episodes are you know kind of the conclusion so it felt organized and it felt like they knew what they wanted to do from episode 1 all the way to the end of that season of Picard. You know, it took him a couple of seasons to get there. You know, that first season of Picard was informed not just by Kurtzman's secret hideout and their philosophies about what Star Trek is now, but also apparently, you know, by Patrick Stewart, not specifically not wanting it to look anything like next gen, not wanting most of the next gen actors to be involved and not wanting to wear the uniform, all those kinds of things. Which, considering the quality of the third season, maybe those were not the. <laughs> maybe he's an, a, a better actor than he is a producer. 
but they certainly found their way in season three. I've said that I think that Picard season three makes everything else worth it. If I, even if I didn't, mm-hmm. the first two seasons were worth it for that third season. I mean, I'm never going to watch the first two seasons again. I'm probably, probably never going to watch Discovery again, except for that, you know, the season we haven't seen yet. But it was all worth it for that. For sure. But again, playing devil's advocate, so we have a convers- something to have a conversation about, <laughs> since we all really agree about that. Uh, you know, Picard's season three in particular had something that none of these other shows have had, really. Not certainly not to the degree that Picard season three had it, and that was nostalgia. You know, they they used that and they played on it, and we loved it and we ate it up. It's easy to care about characters when they've been in your life for thirty five years or whatever. I, I would argue Lower Decks uses a lot of nostalgia, but in a different way. Sure. It's it's yeah. referenced, not shown to you. Well, I think I think it's hard because Picard, I mean, I can never separate myself from the person I was 30 years ago. I, I don't know. I can't critique it in that fashion. Like, let's pretend I don't have that nostalgia for those characters. But I I don't know. There, there's part of me, too, that I, I, I have a component, I think, that can separate a little bit from that. And I think the writing is better. The pacing was better. The, the storytelling was just better in season three and in one and two. I mean... But, 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 you know, it's complicated because if you think back and I, I was pondering how, you know, we're looking at this era of Trek now that's about six years old or something like that. We're nearing that period of time, which a season would have been back in the, back in that 80s, 90s period. A season, of Trek. maybe a series. A, a series, I'm sorry. Yeah, yes, sorry. a series of Trek would have been back then. And there's so, you know, they packed so much in back then, you know, 26, 24 episodes, season, whatever else you think back. And it's just, that's how life was. But it also, I think the difference is, is that now there's, there's not a moment that doesn't matter. You know, like if you go back then, it's like, oh, you know, not a such a great episode in, in this particular season, whatever. I mean, and you know, you can have a great season. It's got three quarters of episodes are decent and whatever else, 26 episodes, something like that. Now 10 or 12 max, whatever it is. And it, it's just a different world. You know, you have, you have to, there's so little forgiveness in terms of errors, right? And making and, and having the time to tell that story, to build those characters and to really care about those characters. So I'm not sure there's a real objective way to determine how do we buy into a character that's new, you know, versus like in season three of Picard where we where we care about them all the way through because we we have all that history with them. And it's it's very complicated. And then you, then you have Strange New Worlds, which is a kind of a mix of the both. You do have nostalgia in that with characters right, that right. all the way back to the beginning, um, you know, a reimagined Spock character. I mean, Enterprise reimagined. But give, give Discovery credit. Season two of Discovery is actually where those those yeah. Strange New Worlds yeah. characters came from. All right. Yes. Which I think it's going to be its, its, its strong point altogether. Raise your hand if you want to watch season two of Discovery again. Okay, but if you do, you're probably watching it for Pike and Spock, and <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. For those viewers out there, there were no hands raised. Strange New Worlds. I've said we, we said it before, but we've seen a lot of play, people play Pike. Really amazing people: Jeffrey Hunter, Bruce Greenwood, somebody else, right? I don't know. And yet, Anson Mount takes the cake shockingly i never would have guessed that but he's so perfect he's so good you didn't realize 
how much the character hadn't been defined until you saw him just stand there and not barely and barely say a word and then you've they found it right he found it i know i know we haven't talked about the episodes but i'm the last episode of season one you know where they introduce kirk <laughs> and i i'm looking at him and i'm like he looks more like jim carrey doing an impersonation of of, yeah. of kirk but in season two i really got to like like the performance and it kind of meshed well i, I agree I enjoy- but i i felt like he was like maybe Anson Mount, he took what the others were maybe trying to do, and he took it all the way. I like the guy doing Kirk. He's fine. He's he's interesting, but he doesn't feel like Kirk. He's closer to Kirk, I suppose, than um, Chapel. And I like that actress a lot, but she, she doesn't play Chapel. And those things are okay. It's not necessarily a complaint. It's just I don't watch it thinking. Well, who's closer to Kirk? Pine? Or what is the... I, sorry, I don't have the actor's name who plays the new Kirk. Maybe Pine, but neither one of them is as perfect as Anson Mount is as Pike. And maybe that's just because Shatner is Shatner. You know, so defined that role in a way that nobody ever did. Pike it was, you know, a very minor role, really. I mean, it was it was important, but we didn't have that history, you know... Shatner and Kirk, I mean, that's a stratosphere. It's a different thing, you know, in terms of well, I, I who like is Ethan the character, Peck. you know. I like Ethan Peck, and yeah, that's, you're right. you know, yeah, you're right. Nimoy defines Spock as much as Shatner defined Kirk, and I like Ethan Peck a lot, actually. I feel like he's doing mm-hmm. this cool balance between his own thing and honoring, you know, Nimoy's version. And he, and he has the freedom to do it because he's playing a younger version, you know, a, a less mature yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, version of Spock. So it kind of gives him the freedom to, to be a little bit different. I want to make sure that we talk a little bit here about, so those are the, there's our three live action, modern secret hideout shows, Discovery, Picard, and Strange New Worlds. And they were produced in that order, although there was some overlap. You know, they identified Strange New Worlds as being more episodic and less serialized, although it still has, you know, elements of story that, that overlap one episode to the next. But the way they talked about it, it wasn't like, we've heard you regarding Discovery and we are making this change going forward. That wasn't really the message. It felt more like the message was, we heard that this is important to you, and we're going to do this show that way. So I don't know that they've, I don't know that they've decided this is some permanent thing. But we have seen the ratings, right? There've only been two, you know, A Strange New Worlds and Picard season three. I think are the only things that have really had gusto ratings, like. They've been in the Nielsen streaming top 10, if I recall correctly. So, I mean, that's got to be worth something. They're they're obviously paying attention. But, you know, how does it feel like they have redefined uh, how they approach Star Trek between these shows? You know, I'm not sure that it has to do a lot with the episodic versus serialized or the balance between the two. I, I think it's... I think it's something else. I think it. I think it's it's staying true to like a a ethos, like a formula of what it should be about, and making it character based. Like saying we're gonna we're gonna focus on these these personas and what and making it matter to you and making it real and and not focusing on a convoluted plot sequence 
that that's hard to follow sometimes, right? I mean, I, I think I think it really has more to do with that than it does how 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 standalone or episodic or serialized the, okay, the episodes so they, are. They did that is something they kept from. Let's say if you go back to the original series, ninety nine percent of the stories, if they were about a character, it was Kirk, and you had you had a few that were maybe Spock, and that was it. There really wasn't anybody else. Even even Bones didn't. There was no Bones episode, right? Next Gen expanded that slightly. You know, some of the, you know, uh, we, we had plenty of, of Picard and Data stories and Riker stories. And then everybody else got an episode or two pretty much, but which is more than the zero that say, you know, Sulu never had an episode, but LaForge had a couple, uh, for example. But modern Trek, Secret Hideout Trek, like in Discovery, everybody has not, not exactly episodes because they're, it's all serialized, but everybody has storylines and stuff to do. And that is something that they certainly kept with Strange New Worlds, even if it's more episodic and less serialized. And that is certainly something that is is defining their vision of Star Trek that is different from even the most recent previous eras. I mean, I do like that. It makes it much more modern and palatable. I think Discovery would have benefited from at least one season of more episodic, so you could have gotten to know the characters better and breathe with them. So if they decided to do um, go gung-ho on season three of Strange New Worlds and, you know, and do it like the like discovery i think it would feel more natural because we were familiar we're more mm. familiar with the characters we've had that time to to kind of grow and connect with them that we could take a ride like that with that crew not having as much of the you know intimate story storylines well yes we still had more than zero with the strange new worlds characters we not only had those characters as they existed in the universe prior to strange new worlds but we had those actors playing those characters in Discovery Season 2, which is a hell of a lot more than Discovery. Discovery started from zero. Those opening shots with Giorgio and uh, Burnham walking in the desert, we had never seen these characters before, ever. We'd never seen a show set in that era, ever. And it just takes off. <laughs> it's like a roller coaster ride, almost. Well, and of course, the pilot was so different from the rest of the show, but... Yeah. We haven't really seen them do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think maybe they decided that wasn't the best choice right but i th- i think it might it might be beneficial to examine it in terms of less serialized versus episodic but in terms of the package that one can consume in a, in a span of time it's kind of like chapters in a book or whatever however you want to separate it you know we we talk about in these podcasts like what is this about and the reason that's a focus and i think it's relevant is because it, it, it very much helps your consumption of a piece of work to have a focus, to have a, this is what I'm taking in that's relevant in, in terms of it just being all over the place. And so when you have it being plot-based, and if it's nothing, let's say it's nothing but plot-based, a story, and it's serialized both, it's the worst of both worlds, right? Because you have a situation where there's no focus and you, you don't, you can't, you can't invest yourself in the characters either, you know? And so I, I think when this is at its best, I don't think there's a magic, there's some magic about episodic versus serialized or whatever it is. It's, it's that if you can tell a story that's focused on one specific point and, and ideally about a one character or two characters and so on, it, it's more palatable. Like, like you said, it helps, it helps you consume that in some fashion, understand it and appreciate it. 
yeah. So, I mean, if you look at season one of Discovery, you have Berman. She starts the Klingon war. We have this weird thing going on with the Klingons that they they have to try and do. They're Berman's romantic interest. Interest. <laughs> you just remind me of all the stuff. Uh, that I'm like, oh my god! I about that. Yet another reason I don't want to watch that show. Ber- Berman's yeah. romantic interest, who is um, a genetically altered Klingon yeah. to make it look human, and uh, yeah, yeah. So there was so many things going on in Discovery. We didn't know the characters. They're going crazy with the Klingons and throwing canon off a little bit with what's going on with them so it's it was so all over the place that first season and you know then the captain of the discovery ends up being from the other universe and you learn about that in the two or three episodes it's just there was too much to take in in that season and to and to steve's point to give a crap about the characters i mean it wasn't until you know we get to season four that we've had four seasons of of being with these guys every hour for, you know, 10 weeks or 14 weeks that we started, started to care about the characters. But yeah, those first two seasons is just all over the place. And there's just no direction with what they, what they were trying to do. It was just like, we have to save the universe and all this other crazy crap is going on at the same time. And it was just too much to, to care really. I do. I do know people at least one person I know that I like that I work with that really legitimately loves discovery. And I, I totally respect that. Sure. Obviously the three of us are, we have the same uh, opinion and it's, it's not our favorite of the newer shows for these reasons we've discussed, but. I respect it. I mean, it got, it yeah, got absolutely. I got modern Trek started and we're still going. And I think we're in, I think we're in a good place. I'd like to say one other thing about modern star Trek that I know I've said before, but the production value is just banana pants. Beautiful. I mean, I remember Discovery, I think it was when season two started. Yeah, because season two was the first scope. All these shows have been scope except for season one of Discovery, which I think was 2.0. So it was still wider than 16 by 9. Anyway, it was scope and I had, and it just premiered and I had somebody over and I'd like, there's an opening shot of Burnham flying through Vulcan and landing. And it's a frick, it's a throwaway thing, you know? And it was just like, oh, my God, this looks like like even in the 80s at the height of Trek movies, they couldn't do this. Right. And um, I played it for the person who my, I guess I had here that night and, and like, oh, my wow, that's a TV show. You know, so the production values have been really crazy and the effects work, all that stuff is music. really Scores music. Jeff Russo is doing a lot of amazing things. and. You know, all those kinds of things are really great. We talked about how great the acting is. I don't even necessarily think the, like, day-to-day writing is necessarily bad. Like, the actual, the characters' voices and things like that are solid. It's just, like, in Discovery, it's it's the story stuff, the bigger plot and story stuff that, that I didn't love. Sorry to give you sorry to give you flashbacks, Brian. Don't, yeah, you did exactly that love interest thing. Remember how much? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Hopefully, you're able to sleep tonight. But look, Star Trek doesn't get better than than Picard season three. For you know, Picard season three is the best Star Trek we've had in decades for me. I mean that that show was out for a few weeks, and I'd watched it several times. <laughs> and even you know, Strange New Worlds. I've really, I've really enjoyed it. Even when I haven't enjoyed it, I still really enjoyed it, and that's that's a sign of a of a show that that you like. One, they have the freedom to come back from it if there's an episode that isn't as strong because they're a little more episodic. And two, I just enjoy being there, and I enjoy those characters so much, um, and I enjoy the performances, stuff like Anson Mount. You know, I feel it when they they would have like an episode and he was barely in. And I'm like, I feel that he's not in this thing. 
I don't, I, I want him to come back. And I think that's, those are all signs of a, of a solid show and, and good performances. And I've enjoyed Strange New Worlds and especially season two when they, they really aim for the shot for the fences. And I don't know, like the musical episode, I didn't care for it, but I sure appreciated that they did it. I love yeah. that they tried that. You know, we'll talk more about this, I think, on our next episode, because we're going to go through kind of our favorite, you know, individual episodes. But stuff like the crossover with Lower Decks, that's a aim for the aim for the moon. And I think they probably achieved it. So I think that if we look at it like going from Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, I I like this direction that they've been going. I like the line. If you look, put it on a on a graph. You know, I'm excited about Strange New World season three. It sucks that the, that the, I mean, the strikes had to happen, but you know, it sucks that they've, of course, effectively delayed us from getting season three, probably until 2025. Anything else you guys want to say about the live action of uh, these three before we uh, sign off for the night? I just want to reiterate the 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 value of Star Trek Picard season three. And I, I think I think it's gonna kinda go down in history. I think it's gonna be one of those things that because you know, you're looking out at like memes and all this kind of stuff about what Star Wars fans wanted versus what Star Trek fans wanted and they got all this kind of silliness. I mean I think if nothing else, as you as you pointed out, I mean, that season is worth it all. I mean, if nothing else comes of it, it's, 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 it's an incredible gift, you know, for, for fans of Star Trek and especially Star Trek. Forever. You know, if I, I go through next gen again, um, I'm, I'm sure there's stuff I'm going to, you know, I'm going to skip most of the episodes in season one, probably, you know, blah, blah, blah. but when I get to, when I finish season seven, maybe watch a couple movies and then I'm watching Picard season three and I'm going to yeah. watch every yeah. single episode. The one, and one of the best gifts I, I think that we got out of, out of, three is it i don't know what they're going to do in the future we'll get into that later but i mean you know having seven as the captain of the enterprise you know then you know and it's in the it's in the time it's right in the timeline it's you know and so where they can go with this it's not a past show it's not a future show it's right in it's in the timeline that we're that we're all the three of us are know and love so i'm i hope they do something with her and i hope they do something with what they've set up for Picard, we'll see what yeah, happens in the next couple of years. But no, I'm excited for that, and keeping my fingers crossed. We're we're in an era now where everything's going to get cut back. We're not going to have 15 different series going forward. I mean, you know, these strikes have ended and whatnot, but we're going to see less material, less less product. But I I I do hope they have the vision to understand that fans want, you know this new series with with the new enterprise with new seven and seven and all of that i i hope that happens yeah well that is a good note to end this one on so thank you so much for spending half an hour with us we're going to be back in two weeks to discuss um lower decks and prodigy as well as where we feel like uh where else in addition to this possible legacy show where else star trek's uh, can go, including the at least two things, the two things that we know Secret Hideout is working on. Uh, we're also going to have a quick rundown of um, our thoughts on the very short treks. All right. So uh, until next time, you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Thanks again and uh, happy holidays, but we're going to be back in two more weeks for one more. 
Till next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.